I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we're doing an in-depth study through the book of Revelation. And we have reached now Revelation chapter 15 and 16, which is what we want to deal with today, the bowls of wrath. And uh, some people think that that's when the wrath of God actually begins uh, in the book of Revelation, and so they have the rapture just happening before the bowls of wrath, because, of course, we're not appointed to the wrath or the judgment of God as believers. But it's clear, really, that the judgments of God actually start much before this. In fact, as we're going to read, that this is actually the time when the wrath of God is completed, these seven bowls of wrath. But actually, the judgments began when the Lamb started opening, breaking the seven seals. That's when the judgments began. And, that, and the rapture happens just before that. And so right at the start of the tribulation, the Lamb opens the seven seals. And then we saw that the seventh seal is opened. Uh, that's a special event which escalates the judgments. And that's opened in response to the covenant that Israel makes with the Antichrist, which is the opening of the 70th week of Daniel. Uh, and then we saw the first 1,260 days of those seven years is when the two witnesses had their ministry on the Temple Mount. And they call down the first six trumpet judgments, and then they are killed. After three and a half days, they are raised again and ascend to heaven. And then the, the abomination of desolation is, is put up in the temple uh, by the Antichrist as his counter move against God. And then God counters by bl the blowing of the seventh trumpet, and that releases Michael and his angels to cast Satan and his angels out of the first heaven, uh, out of their positions of spiritual authority in the heavenlies. At that time, believing Israel escapes to Jordan, uh, where she's kept safe for the final three and a half years. And during this time, Antichrist sets up his world dominion, and that's described in Revelations 12 and 13. And now we're into the final three and a half years. And what we saw last time in Revelation 14 is God made seven announcements, again warning people to make the right decision at this point, not to take the mark of the beast, but to follow Christ, even if it means martyrdom, because they will have an, a wonderful eternal future. But if they take the mark of the beast, they will have a terribly bad uh, future. And so... We are now into those last seven, three and a half years. Many, most people will make their mind either to reject the mark of the beast to, because they're believers. Many of those will suffer martyrdom. Others will take the mark of the beast and they have then sealed their doom. And then as we go, uh, we are now coming to the, near the end of the, those seven, three and a half years. We're getting close now, maybe just a few months away from the return of Christ, and this is when the final judgments of the bowls of wrath are poured out. And that's our subject today in Revelation 15 and 16. Revelation 15 describes a heavenly interlude as preparations are made to pour out the seven bowls of wrath. And these are the main judgments of the great tribulation in the last few months. It says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. They are called the seven last plagues. They're similar to the ten plagues poured out on Pharaoh's Egypt, and Pharaoh's a type of the Antichrist. 
and uh, Pharaoh's Egypt. That's the type of the Antichrist world system. And so that it's, we have a parallel there. Jesus, you see, is the prophet like unto Moses. He was rejected by his people when he first came to save them, when he was 40. And as a result, he went far away. And in the same way, Jesus went far away to heaven. But he returns a second time, just like Moses returned a second time to save Israel from the Pharaoh. So Jesus will return the second time to save Israel from the oppression of the Antichrist. So when Moses was 80, he returned to save Israel from the oppression of Pharaoh. And so Jesus will return. This time Israel will receive him, just as they received Moses when he came the second time. And God will bombard Antichrist's kingdom with plagues, just like he bombarded Pharaoh's kingdom with plagues. And as the final outcome, Israel will be saved and will be able to possess her promised land in the kingdom. So, we have all those parallels going on. And after those plagues, Israel will come into her full inheritance. Well, these seven plagues, it says, bring the wrath of God, the judgment of God, to its completion. Uh, and so... All the remaining judgments on Antichrist's kingdom before the Lord returns are included, must be included in these seven bowls because they're going to bring everything to its completion. Now, the pre-rapture view says these bowls are the beginning of God's wrath. But this scripture clearly says that they actually bring God, the wrath of God to its completion because God's been moving in wrath right from the start of the tribulation. Well, next we see the re response of the tribulation martyrs in heaven. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of gold, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Well, the song of Moses is sung in Exodus 15. They sung that after they passed through the Red Sea and after God judged Pharaoh and his army. And so in the same way, these martyrs uh, have passed victoriously through the sea of death to the other side, into their promised land in hev of heaven. And Antichrist and his armies, they're, they're about to be destroyed. And they also sing, it says, the song of Moses and, and the song of the Lamb. And so their victory is based of, on the blood of the Lamb. And they sing, Great and marvellous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you. That will come to pass in the millennium. For your judgments have been manifested. Next, the seven angels come out of the temple to pour out the wrath of God. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. And one of the four living creatures did give to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter to the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Although Antichrist took over God's temple on earth, his temple in heaven is still fully functional. And from his throne in the Holy of Holies, God is now releasing his final judgments on those 
who had rejected his testimony to them. The seven angels have gone to his throne, which is surrounded by the four living creatures, and they received the seven bowls from them. And now they exit this temple, to, ready to pour them out on the earth. God in his temple is now so manifesting his, gl his glory in judgment that entry to the temple now has become impossible. And then we move into Revelation 17, sorry, Revelation 16. We see these seven bowls being poured out in succession. Then I heard a loud voice of Christ from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. These judgments are far greater in magnitude than the previous ones, and they bear a striking similarity to the plagues of Egypt. The first bowl releases sores on the worshippers of the Antichrist. The first went and poured his bowl upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. Notice, whenever the mark of the beast is mentioned, it's in connection with worshipping his image. And so it's not just taking a mark that damns you. It's, it's the fact that in doing so, you are worshipping that image. You're worshipping the Antichrist. And only then are you then given that mark which will enable you to buy and sell. Whenever the mark is mentioned, it's always in connection with the worship of the image of the beast. The second bowl turns all the seas to blood, killing all, all sea life. The th second angel poured out his bowl upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. The third bowl turns all fresh waters to blood. And these punishments, by the way, of blood um, are fitting because of the shedding of the blood, of all the blood of the martyrs. And so now they receive a bloody judgment. It says... The third angel poured out his bowl upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. I heard the angel of the waters say, You are righteous, O Lord, who is and was and shall be, because you have judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. The fourth bowl releases scorching heat. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. The fifth bowl releases extreme pain and sores on the kingdom of the Antichrist, especially its capital, as well as covering it in darkness. It says, the fifth angel poured out his bowl upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And again, they repented not of their deeds. Notice these uh, are similar, again, to the punishments, the plagues upon Egypt. Now, the sixth and seventh bowls introduce the final judgments connected with the campaign of Armageddon. The sixth bowl sets the stage for the Battle of Armageddon. Actually, battle is the wrong word, because the word is used for an extended military campaign or war. You should say the War of Armageddon, which could take place maybe over weeks or a month, um, at least. The sixth bowl sets in motion the campaign of Armageddon. And again, it's a judgment because God is bringing these armies to Israel for the purpose of judging them. Uh, that's the wine press, as it were, gathering the grapes to the wine press where he will crush them underfoot. And so the sixth bowl releases the gathering of armies for this final showdown. 
between Christ and the Antichrist. First, the Euphrates is dried up, opening the way for big land armies from the east. And then the Satanic Trinity released demons from their mouths, persuading all the nations to gather together against Israel. It says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Notice that's the three, the three in one as it were, the satanic trinity, the dragon, the beast and the false prophet, all working together. And these unclean spirits come like frogs out of the satanic trinity for they are the spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of god almighty and this battle of Arm this war of armageddon will be concluded on the great and terrible day of the lord when jesus returns the great day of god almighty and then we have a little insertion here where jesus says behold i'm coming as a thief Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And Jesus is reminding us here that before he comes in power and glory, he will come as a thief in the rapture to take those who are clothed in his righteousness. And then we will return with him to the, to the earth as part of that invading army that comes with Christ to the earth. And uh, just to mention here, some people say, well, that shows the rapture happens at this time in the story. Well, if you apply that logic, then the rapture will happen in the eternal state, because in Revelation 22, there are three references to Jesus coming uh, quickly as, as the, th you know, uh, in the rapture. Uh, and so, no, doesn't mean the rapture happens at that time, but it's just that we are to bear in mind, uh, with all these events about to take place, that... Jesus is actually coming, first of all, as the thief, and he's coming to take his bride before all these terrible things happen. So therefore, we need, if we're ready, we can avoid all the final showdown that, that we are seeing here. Then it says, they gather them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon, which is really Har Megiddo, the hill of Megiddo. And Antichrist will, this is a known place in Israel, he will gather all the armies of the world to Megiddo, a strategic hill overlooking the valley of Jezreel, um, a large valley in the north of Israel, and it's the perfect place for the gathering of large armies. When you go to Israel, you can stand on Megiddo, and you can see this large valley in front of you. And these armies will come down into this valley, and then they will, that's just the gathering point, then they will go throughout the whole land of Israel. Satan's plan is to totally annihilate the Jewish people and prevent the return of Jesus, which, of course, he is going to return to Israel. Um, and so this is the build-up now for the, the war of Armageddon, which is the prelude to the return of Christ. Satan's aim is to destroy Israel and so prevent Jesus from returning and setting up his kingdom because he knows that God cannot fulfill his promises except apart he cannot fulfill his promises apart from israel and because of the covenants he's made also 
since Satan knows Jesus will return to Israel, he will gather his forces there, or as many as he can, to actually, in a vain attempt, to stop Jesus' return. Revelation 19.19 talks about this. It says, The beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him, against Christ, who sat on the horse, and against his army. That's, that's us and the angels. And so this is Satan's vain attempt to try and actually oppose Christ as he comes back to take possession of the earth. Now we go to the seventh trumpet, the seventh bowl, sorry, uh, and this releases the final judgments at the end of the campaign of Armageddon, just before Christ's return. And so this actually is just a, a day or two before Christ's return. And the seventh bowl re results in the greatest ever earthquake, the total destruction of Antichrist's kingdom, especially his capital city, Babylon, along with all his other cities. This is actually described as well uh, as the final manifestation of the sixth seal in Revelation 6, 12 to 17, uh, which describes the same event because both of them uh, actually take place. The timing is given as just being before the great day of the Lord's return. And the, the language used for both is so similar and so extreme that you couldn't have two separate events so similar and of, this, of that kind of magnitude. And so you, you have to put it together with Revelation 6, 12 to 17, which is the, the final outworking of the sixth seal. Let's read that anyway. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple in heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. This is, in other words, this is the final judgment before Christ's return. There were noises, thunderings, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as has not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city, that's Babylon, was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceeding great. And now we, see, we saw before that Babylon, this, this, this fall of Babylon, uh, is what takes place under the seventh bowl. And Babylon, we said, is the name of man's attempt of setting up a world system organized in opposition and rebellion to God. It began with the Tower of Babel. That's where it got it, its name. And Babylon has two aspects which are intertwined. First of all, political and commercial Babylon, which is the beast, and religious Babylon, which is the harlot that sits on the beast. And we previously saw that Revelation 17, you see, after the sixth bowl, sorry, after the seventh bowl in Revelation 16, comes Revelation 17. And that actually describes the fall of the harlot at mid-tribulation. So in other words, it, to describe the destruction of Babylon, first of all, we are described the religious aspect, the harlot, that actually is destroyed because um, Antichrist replaces her with his own religion where everyone worships him. If you like, that's the final form of religious Babylon, is the, is the worship of Antichrist. 
And so that initial fall of Babylon is described in Revelation 17. And then Revelation 18 describes, gives the full description of the outworking of the seventh bowl of wrath, which is the total destruction of Babylon. And so here we see the fall of political and commercial Babylon, Antichrist's capital, his seat of government, the center of world commerce. And this happens just before the second coming. In fact, I believe it's two days before the second coming. And we'll see that when we look at the campaign of Armageddon in the next few studies. Can we identify this city? Well, some argue that the prophecies of Babylon's sudden destruction in Isaiah 13 and 14 and Jeremiah 50 and 51 have never been fulfilled literally um, because it suffered a gradual decay over the years and therefore there must still be a future fulfillment and therefore they believe that it will be Babylon in Iraq will, will be that final city and that means it will be rebuilt and become the world, a world capital. And, and, and in this scenario, the wickedness that began at the Tower of Babel and spread throughout the world will eventually return to Babylon and be judged there. And so that would make any events in Iraq of great consequence. But another possibility is simply that Babylon is the spiritual name for this ruling world empire, world system, and, and its headquarters, wherever it might be physically located at any particular time. And so it's spiritually named Babylon because of its origins in the Tower of Babel. In both cases, however, Revelation 18 describes the final judgment of Babylon by a sudden and total destruction of this one world system that's established in prideful opposition to God. And so and the Antichrist's Babylon, being a great capital city, and as well as the destruction of that, all the cities of the nations are destroyed in this, this enormous judgment. Well, through modern communications and a global economy, the cities of the world are already being linked together into a one-world system. And this will come to a head in the one-world government of the Great Tribulation. So this final form of Babylon, in a sense, is a, could be seen as a global city. And the whole thing is going to be destroyed at this time. Its destruction comes by a great earthquake. Um, deadly plagues and fire, it happens in one day or, or even in one hour and that's what Revelation 18 talks about. And uh, it's in response to the Antichrist's armies totally coming into Israel to totally destroy the Jewish people there. And God's answer is to destroy those um, to destroy Babylon, to destroy the Antichrist empire. And um, that is God's answer to Satan's attack through Armageddon. Well, the focus of Revelation 18 is on the economic aspect of Babylon, the great riches she's accumulated from her role as the center of world trade. And that's seen in the reaction of the world's merchants, the businessmen, the traders, because they, they weep over this destruction of Babylon because the source of their income has been destroyed. And it says that her sins include trading in the bodies and souls of men. That's human slavery. And we thought that was a thing of the past, but see how accurate the Bible is. Because now the massive scale of the international slave trade has come to light. And the sin above all 
that brings this judgment upon her is that she has shed multitude, the blood of multitudes of believers who did, would not take the mark of the beast and so did not join themselves to this global economy. Um, these people, these great believers, were obeying God's warning in verse 4. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plague. By not taking the mark of the beast, they, they come out of that system and so were saved from the judgment that's coming upon it. Well, heaven is told to rejoice because God's vengeance has now fallen on Babylon for persecuting God's leaders and persecuting God's people. And it says that in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. And so, as well as the judgment falling on this end-time Babylon, as a final judgment, it is also a judgment of Babylon as a whole from its beginning in the Tower of Babel. And so it talks about the Babylon's responsible for all the blood that's been shed of God's people from the start. So this shows that Babylon isn't just that final city. It's the whole satanic system that has been around there since the Tower of Babel that has been responsible for, for the blood of the martyrs. And, um, and so that whole system of Babylon is now going to be judged in the f by the destruction of that final Babylon. Well, we can apply the language that way. And it says, when it, when it says in verse 4 that um, we are to come out of Babylon, we are not to share in its sins and receive of her plagues, we can therefore generalize that warning, not just for the people living then, but generally God is warning people not to love the world system or to have one's heart entangled in it. We are to be in the world, but not of it. Come out of her, my people, he says. Well, it's a matter of historical fact that practically all persecution against the saints has come from the state when it overreaches its God-given authority and imposes its harlot religion upon the people. And even Christianity can play the harlot when it gets in bed with the state and rides upon it. And so it is the harlot, the religious aspect of Babylon, who is the direct cause of the persecution of the saints, using the state to carry out her will, and in return giving her support to the state. Revelation 19.2 says, He has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. This is a final judgment on the harlot as a whole, from her origin at Babel under Nimrod to her final form of global worship of the Antichrist in the Great Tribulation. Although the harlot church was destroyed at mid-tribulation, it will then be replaced by another harlot religion, the worship of the Antichrist. Well, the harlot's destruction is final. She will never rise again. All heaven rejoices in God's judgment of Babylon, affirming his right to judge. And so God, in the seventh bowl of wrath, is going to totally destroy the Antichrist world system. And that's just before Christ returns in power and glory to destroy the armies of the Antichrist who have invaded Israel. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel.
You're most welcome to join us at our church services, which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm, at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.